The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Romans 8:18 through the end of the chapter. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits in eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he... And those whom he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? For who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. But who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Well, first of all, I just want to um, thank our volunteers. Um, I want to thank our church body. <laughs> I want to thank you for all that you guys have done, you know, to change locations in less than 24 hours and to see it pulled off and not one complaint. Uh, that's pretty amazing. It's so encouraging to me as a leader. Um, and you guys are a huge blessing to me. So thank you so much to all the volunteers that uh, stood out in the rain, that got drenched uh, this morning. And, and uh, thank you to the band and... Um, just to everybody that that uh, pulled together and made this morning possible, and uh, just a, a brief announcement: we um, just are having a maintenance issue, or had a maintenance issue at uh, Claiborne, and we're going to work through that and huddle up this week um, and and see what we can do about it and move forward. So uh, be praying for us and pray that God will continue to lead us um, as we as we move forward, and. Um, you know, as I was 
uh, I had a um, Lucy Berry. Everybody remember Lucy Berry, our, our, our first children's ministry director. She got married last night, and um, um, and and I got home late, and you know, just really not having peace with the sermon that I was trying to get ready for today. And I woke up at about 2:30 this morning, tossing and turning, and uh, finally just got out of bed and came downstairs and worked on it as hard as I could till about 7:30. I had to get out the door, and I, I'm driving to the office, and um, I, I turn on the music that we're going to sing this morning, and I. I hear the lyrics to big. My God is big, so strong, so mighty. My God's plan for me goes beyond my wildest dreams. And um, they're only about two or three times in about 25 years of preaching that I changed the sermon text the morning of, and this is this is one of them. Um, typically, on the first. Sunday of each year, I preach Romans chapter 8. And I didn't do that. I know nobody remembers, but uh, I didn't do that this year. I preached on the Lord's Prayer because I felt like we needed to be called to prayer as a church body. Um, and so as I heard that this morning, and as I was just processing all that's gone on in the life of downtown church, um, I just had this sense that I needed to preach Romans 8. And I've had a peace ever since, and I'm still kind of wondering why. Uh, so we'll see what God has for us this morning. Uh, but this text is is really uh, my life passage in so many ways. Um, I, I honestly don't know who I would be today or where I would be today without the words that Mamie just read. Um, Paul begins... And he says in verse 18, I consider that our sufferings and the fact that we have a faith that acknowledges that life is about suffering puts Christianity in a category, in my mind, all of its own. It doesn't hold out some sugary, you know, flimsy hope. The, the hope of Christianity acknowledges a world in which there is suffering. And, and when Paul wrote that, people were dying. Christians who stood up and made a profession of faith like those that just did um, were being murdered, were being driven from their homes. Life was tough. And so Paul stood up and he knew that he had to bring hope. And the first thing that he does is, I consider that our present sufferings, he gives them a theology of suffering. And he reminds them that this world is broken because of the fall. That if you go back to Genesis 3, you see that God has turned us over to our own desiring. That He's turned this world over to a curse. That the world is now working not with us, but against us. And if there's anybody in here that can't, isn't experiencing that, if your life is working out perfectly, then you don't need this message. <laughs> but I have a feeling that, that many of us understand that life has not worked out the way we planned. That we plan, we put our plans in place, we ask God to bless them, and then sometimes they get absolutely blown up. I talk to people all the time who um, have experienced a broken marriage, have experienced betrayal, have experienced suffering in ways that... Um, 
that are just absolutely horrible. And I can see the pain, and I can see the, the sense of why. Um, I, I've stood with people in the hospital when their loved ones were dying, when even babies were dying. And I see the, the question of why. And I see the pain and the hurt on people's faces. Um, I see churches uh, seeking to reach their cities, seeking to be all that, that God wants them to be, experiencing trials like we have over the last year. And, and we wonder why. And yet God says, I tell you why. Because this world is broken and this world is not your home. This is not where you're going to experience heaven. This is not your hope. This is not your joy. Uh, I'm taking about seven couples right now through premarital counseling. And one thing I want them to hear loud as loud as anything I say is the fact that this marriage is not your life. This is not your salvation. This is a blessing. Your spouse is a blessing, but this is not your ultimate hope. And if you put your ultimate hope in this marriage, you're going to be disappointed because you were not created to be fulfilled by a man or a woman. Only Jesus can fulfill you. And so Paul says creation itself is groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And he said, even we ourselves... But then he starts to give us hope. He said, but the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And what we see that he's saying here is that the Spirit, the Greek word there is paraclete, and it means one who hears the cry. Do you realize that Christianity only works when we are crying out to God? Christianity does not work when we are strong and independent islands seeking to do life on our own. Christianity only works on our knees crying out to God. Are you in a place of weakness right now? Guess what? There is power available in the Spirit. Cry out to God. Don't be too proud to say, I don't have the answers. I hope that we would be known as a church that cries out to God. Because the Spirit is there to help us in our weakness. He is praying for us. He is interpreting our prayers, chasing them to the Father. Jesus said He would not leave us alone. Does anybody feel alone this morning? Does anyone feel isolated? The Spirit is the presence of God with you. He has not left you alone. He has adopted you into His family. He has paid the price to make you His own. You are not alone this morning. And then Paul says, after he says, I consider that our present sufferings, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will one day be revealed in us. So he gives us the hope of glory. And what Paul is saying there, I can can just feel the excitement in his voice. What he's saying is, if you could understand what God has prepared for you in heaven, if you can understand your future, then everything that you're facing and anything that you're facing would just vanish away. The power that it has over you right now. Anybody feeling defeated by the circumstances of life? If you could see what God has for you in glory, if you could see what He has planned for you, do you understand that those problems would fade in the distance? 
And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, because Jesus lived, because Jesus died, because Jesus rose again, there is hope no matter what you're facing. And so, dear friends, we as Christians have got to be a people of hope. We have got to be a people that remember that this life is not where we're going to experience heaven. But he goes on from there. He gives us a future hope, but then he gives us a present hope. He says in verse 28, For we know, we know that for those who love God, God works all things for the good for those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. For those whom God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Hear me. What God is doing in your life is He is using every single circumstance to chisel away at your heart and your mind and your life to make you like Jesus. And I want you to know, if that is not good news to you, then you need to ask yourself, am I a Christian? You know, we are tempted. I mean, I, I, we will all watch the playoffs. We had a bunch of guys over at the house the other night watching uh, the game. I mean, is there anybody that doesn't want to be Mike Conley? I mean, come on. Uh, is there anybody that doesn't want to be, well, maybe Mark Gasol of earlier in the season or something. But uh, is there anybody that doesn't see someone successful and strong and say, I want to be like that? Do you understand that no matter what attribute you are longing for, whether it's beauty, whether it's fame, whether it's fortune, whether no matter what it is, it is just a foreshadowing of who Jesus is. It is just, there is no, Jesus is the essence of beauty. Jesus is the essence of power. Jesus, Jesus is the essence of wealth. Jesus is the essence of goodness and kindness. Jesus is the essence of ability. He turned water into wine. He raised Lazarus from the dead. There's no one more powerful than Jesus. And what what God is telling us is He is using every single event in our lives to make us more and more like Jesus. And the question you've got to ask yourself this morning is, is that what you want in life? Is that really your highest aim and your highest goal? If it is, then God can take anything from you and it will only go toward the purpose of making you more like Jesus. How does He do this? I think as as we experience um, the fall and we experience the curse and we want life to work out, we want, um, you know... Uh, we, we want life to work out. We want our plans to happen. As we go through that, I think what God is doing in allowing us to experience the frustration of our plans, allowing us to taste of the, the curse and the fall of the world, whether it's a, a sin that we keep committing and we just can't find power and strength over it, Um, Whether it's losing a job, losing a spouse, not ever getting a spouse, not being able to have children, whatever it is, what God is showing us is is that there are consequences to sin. And as we come into that, as we come into the reality that this world has fallen because of sin, it should make us long for the restoration. 
It should make us long for the hope that Paul is laying out in in these verses. That he is using everything to make us like the risen Jesus. And yet the risen Jesus is the one who is making us like him. Because he lived under the law for you. Because he is your performance. Because he was cursed in your place. And because he rose from the dead, you have... Complete confidence that no matter what you're facing, no matter how you're failing, no matter how life is not working out, it will work out someday. And it's working out right now, but you just can't see it. God is at work. And then finally, Paul asked this question. Um, And and before I go there, if you're not a believer here today, I want to use this as, um, as really an opportunity. Because the hope that we just looked at is for believers. Um, I, I hear people saying all the time, you know, well, it'll just work out. Well, it will work out for the believer because of Jesus, not because of us, and not because of anything. In fact, it, it, it's totally counterintuitive. We don't deserve it at all. It's all of His grace. But if you're not a believer, you, there's absolutely no hope and there should be no confidence to say, it's going to be okay. Because in reality, um, these promises are for God's children. And, and I would encourage you today to, to see that reality, to see the, the beauty and the hope of Romans 8. That there really is a God who cares enough to live and to die and to rise for you. Because if you do, then not only do you have glory to look forward to, and not only do you have the confidence in the present to know that God is working everything for the good of making you more and more like Jesus, but Paul can stand before death and sin and the curse of this world and even hell itself, height and depth, and he can say, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Downtown Church, that's our hope. If God is for us, who can be against us? What's going to happen with Downtown Church? Where are we going to meet next week? Uh, How are we going to survive financially? Uh, How are we going to reach people for Christ? Um, How are we really going to make an impact in poverty? How are we going to reach a hand across and really see in a substantial way violence decreased in this neighborhood that we're meeting in this morning? How are we going to see literacy? How are we going to see the vision that God has given us fulfilled? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, our, our little dreams that we've written down on paper are nothing. <laughs> they, they are nothing. And what God wants us to do is go back to the drawing board and say, it's too small. If God is for you, who can be against you? Do you believe this morning that God is for you? Do you believe that God is for you this morning? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to determine in your heart. We're going to have just a a time of silence. I want you to go to God in prayer and ask, what would it look like for me to believe this morning that God is for me? 
What do you want me to do? How do you want me to change? What would you call me to? If God is for me, what can I trust Him to do? Can I trust Him to make me a more loving person? Can I trust Him to let go of this sin and maybe even reach out to others to find help to do it? If God is for me, what should my life look like? Let's do that right now. What are you most afraid of if God is for you? What do you fear losing the most right now if God is for you? This past June, I lost my dad. Um, and it was probably the thing I feared the most in life, <laughs> to be honest with you, because as I've said many times, he was not a believer. And I, I, when I say I feared it, I really feared it. I, I really believed that I was going to come apart the day my dad died. And what God did over about a two-day period, three-day period, he was in a coma. And sitting by his bedside and being able to know that God is for me, so who can be against me? That there's no way that I can understand the plan of God and not bringing him to saving faith. And bringing me to a point of utter freedom where I realized, Richard, that's not for you to figure out. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? You have a God that's for you. So I don't know what in the world to do with my dad's death, but no, God was for me, and he's still for me. And because of that, I had peace at my father's death that I can't even describe. If God is for you, who can be against you? What is He calling you to do? What is He calling you to believe? What is He calling you to give up? What is He calling you to take on? It may be just the mediocrity of everyday faithfulness, or it may be something, a big change in your life. What is God, if God is for us, what is God calling downtown church to? Dear friends, I hope that that will resonate in your heart and your mind. I would love right now just to open up the floor. We've got a few minutes, or we can take a few minutes. Um, for either somebody to, if you feel compelled to tell your story, um, if God is for you, <laughs> to maybe even share with the body um, what God revealed to you in the last 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Does anybody have a testimony? Um, of, of God's faithfulness to you, convincing you that if God is for you, um, who in the world can be against you? I think my band went on a break. Uh, it'd be great to have some music right now. There they are. <laughs> yeah, y'all come on forward. Does anybody have a testimony? Anybody like to just share with the body? All right, Kathleen.
Well, most of you know I just got back from the Middle East and um, to see my daughter and her family. They're working with Syrian refugees over there. And, of course, I fear for their safety. Um, but I saw my daughter sit on the floor with a bunch of Syrian refugee women today who have suffered much. They couldn't wait to meet me because they haven't seen their mothers in five years. And there's military everywhere protecting them and keeping the city safe from that. But I want you to know that they do not live in fear, Amanda and Nick. They know they've been called by God to carry the gospel and the truth to a group of people that need to hear the gospel. Amanda is fluent in Arabic now, and I saw her sit on the floor and share the story of the woman at the well. And they couldn't get enough of it. All they wanted was to hear more about this living water. And they're so hungry and thirsty for the gospel. And I come back to America and... I'll just say, their pastor said to me Sunday morning, you came, you saw, and now you know how to pray. Thank you for letting me share that. Kathleen talked about going to the airport um, and uh, just, I can't even, well, I can't imagine because I'm a grandfather, uh, but going to the airport and leaving her... uh, her grandchildren and having her grandchildren in the back seat with her and um, yeah uh, the peace that she can have is simply because she knows God is for her um, anybody else yeah. you know, as you're coming down Danielle uh, man I miss Chris Davis come on come on no 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 miss Betty too Chris Davis taught me to trust the Holy Spirit. I'm a Presbyterian. <laughs> and I'll never forget the first time Chris Davis said, I just believe somebody has a testimony. And we waited and waited, and I was saying, thinking, dude, come on. And man, uh, so you can thank our good friend Chris Davis for this time. Betty? I know God is for me. I know a lot of y'all don't know what I've been going through, but um, I've been sick. I had a lot of operations, so I don't worry about it because I know God got me. I'm 64 years old, and I'm not going through any more surgery. I hope not anyway. So I just like to thank God because he's the head of my life, and everything that he do for me, it's for me. So anything I need, he he gets. I don't know where it's going to come from, but somebody do help me. And I thank God. Um, most of you, or some of you know, that our family um, 11 months ago adopted a little... A little Chinese guy, Samuel, and um, this morning I just, just 
something came over me, just a feeling of connection with his um, his birth mom, and just the feeling of loss that that I have for him, and the the grief of being relinquished by your family. Um, and I know as we face years and years with Samuel that we will walk with him through the loss that he's experienced um, from his birth family. And just this morning as I was reflecting on Richard's, this passage that he chose and just reflecting on Jesus and just feeling just this connection that the loss, um, Samuel has a connection to Jesus through through the cross because Jesus was relinquished by the Father. He was forsaken by the Father in order to, to pay the debt for our sin. And um, and as a mother, this past year I have failed Samuel a thousand times. A thousand, more than a thousand. And it's been really painful to just to live in see all the ways that we fail him right. and that we don't provide a, a perfect a perfect home or a perfect family for him but um, but we have hope for him and hope our greatest hope for him and our other children is that they would find yes. peace in Jesus and that that they would connect the pain that they've experienced even the pain of growing up in my home and the pain of me being their mother right. that that they would find their hope in Jesus and um, and make peace with their pain. And I just felt the Lord just soothing me this morning in just the grief that we have for Him and um, just renewing our hope that's in Christ. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. I really didn't want to get up, but I thought the Lord might make me tumble out the bleachers if I didn't. Um, I grew up in a church. I grew up in, I've gone to churches where they say when you give a testimony, don't give the devil no glory. In other words, don't, don't tell the bad stuff. Just tell the good stuff. <laughs> But I've learned in this walk with the Lord that He wants us to testify that He is with us always. And how can you do that if you don't tell the the bad stuff and the struggles and challenges? Um, So, very briefly, I just want to say that um, it's been a long time that my husband and son and I have gone through just... Challenge after challenge after challenge. Um, when the in, beginning in 2008 is the it, you know the economy may, may not have crashed, but we felt like we crashed because both of us lost our jobs within nine months of each other, and all of the money that we had set aside for our son to go to college. We had to live off of that uh, until 2012. And so, because um, nobody would hire us. 
So we lived off the 401, 401k and um, my husband took a job working uh, at night at FedEx so that we could um, have insurance and uh, this college educated man was throwing boxes um, at FedEx with these young kids who are going through college. But anyway, he did it and he never complained. And then um, in 2015, I had an emergency uh, health situation where uh, pulmonary embolus were found in both of my lungs. And I could not work for the next year, um, even though I had been getting a few contracts. Well, in this whole time, my, my family helped us and they reached in and just loved on us but you know they were getting kind of tired of <laughs> of not seeing progress taking place nobody would hire us and even though both of us were college educated and had good work histories we just couldn't get anybody to say yes <laughs> and so we were the ones in the family who were always talking about the goodness of God and yet it seemed like God you know well where's God now I mean nobody ever said that but it felt like they were saying well what's wrong with (laughs) y'all what are y'all doing wrong but in this time in all this time God Pastor, the only way I can say it is that God kept us in the cleft of the rock and under the shadow of his wings and he has been faithful every day and his provision for us has not been in a way that we would have wanted that pride (laughs) but we can tell you this that in the midst of all of that my husband was searching for a church home for our family because he was never satisfied with with the churches I had been going to because he was not from here and he would not be satisfied and so he found downtown church he read about the advertisement in the paper and he found downtown church and he began to come here and even though I didn't come he came on and and I know he was praying and I saw the change in him and I just want to say this God never leaves us. He's always speaking. He's always providing. And it has been downtown church who has undergirded us in so many ways. Spiritually first. Financially. We've been recipients of that mercy fund that people give to. I just want to thank you. Absolutely. Take your time. The last thing I want to say, and this is the good part, so my former churches would be proud of me, is that I was just uh, uh, offered a, a full-time job uh, with the <laughs> with the organization. <laughs> And the 
hallelujah part is that the job was not even created until the beginning of this year. It's right what I've been doing as a contractor in the community. And so God is just without a doubt saying to me, I created this job for you to have it. And, and, and that's what I told the people in my cover letter. I said, I want this job. And it was no doubt that I believe God created that job for me. So to God be the glory for that. Church, I want to say that... Uh, I got a little something, a little connection to this maintenance issue that caused us to be here today. Y'all probably know that. Some of you do anyway. And while there's, there's nothing to repent or apologize for, for the fact that a little piece of plaster fell on the ground and wrecked Lucy's wedding, how sad that is. So sad. Um, there, there's no really reason to to really apologize for the inconvenience of having to move everybody here. Um, but what there is to apologize for is that we haven't done a good enough job of sharing with you guys how much God is moving in this project. I get to work in it every day. I get to see how God unlocks doors that have been locked for years. How this place, the the fence has come down, the boards off the windows. The amazing things that go on in this place every day I get to experience. And I apologize for not sharing more of it. To give you all the confidence that I have that this, this season for Claiborne Temple... It's going to be amazing. The chance for this place to heal the hearts of the city, to be the very thing that downtown church wants to be, which is, which is salt and light, and you get it. So I apologize for, for not sharing what I get to do every day and see God work. The relationships that are coming together, the people that I've met that that never would have met uh, because of the connection to this place, this Claiborne Temple, it's a mess. There's no doubt. You know, we're going to assess it. We're going to look at this ceiling, but, but don't be alarmed. It's safe in there. We've had engineers. You know, we can... We can take a look, but but I promise you that after we look, there's not going to be any assurance that something else won't happen. It's not possible. You, you've been there. It's not possible that we could we could get it into a state during this preseason where it, where it's possible. You know, I wonder what happened to that piece of glass there, or, or what happened to that light. It's missing. It, it had to have fallen, you know. So, so, so let's not live in fear. This is this is an opportunity to experience an abundance kind of thinking as a body, and we'll do a better job of sharing how how God works every day. We'll do a better job of sharing so that so that we don't have to live wondering and in fear. So, pray for me. Pray for our team. 
pray for Rob Thompson, who's, who's away this weekend, but he's traveling back. He's working way harder than I am. So, thank you. And I'm going to invite our worship team forward, and I think we've got to sing big again. Uh, so let's, uh, if that's okay with you. Um, and also, we are going to bring our tithes and offerings too, and I'm not sure how that's going to work, but I'm sure it will work. Uh, but as the baskets are being prepared and um, we're being prepared to start, I do want to say that, um, as I told Frank on the phone yesterday, we want to be in Claiborne Temple. Um, not because it... Um, or not only because it's Claiborne Temple, but because we believe that building epitomizes who we are. Um, we believe that building fits our vision. And so, uh, as I said before, you know, the issue that um, occurred, the maintenance stuff, we are going around and we have full hopes that we'll be back at Claiborne. So we're, that's our hope and prayer. So let's, uh, let's go to the Lord now as we uh, take up the offering and as we continue worshiping.